evening, and I would like you to take your Bibles and find the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes tonight in your Bible. Find that place if you will. God has something he wants to let us know tonight, and I pray that I'll be able to help give that to you this evening. You leaving already, Crystal, for the sermon? I know you dished out this morning, but my soul, at least you got halfway through it. You just knew that. Ecclesiastes. My dear wife says that to me all the time. I just knew you were going to say that. And uh, I'm, I'm too predictable, Miss Brianna. I got to switch, switch gears. Brother, I got to, yeah. Brother Lou, I, that's how I, I got to roll that. I got to just keep, change things up a little bit. <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes, which basically means the preacher. Preacher's got something for you. And we're in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5, where we left off last week. You should remember that. <laughs> Ecclesiastes. Miss Naira, good to see you tonight. We found a fob. Did you get my picture? We found a car fob in the church today. Did you lose one? I don't know. It doesn't say. It has no name on it. Did she? Well, you know what? It finders keeper. So we all got, church has got a new Durango. Praise God. Why don't you, uh, I toss it to you, but I'd probably go over your head, hit Richie in the head. <laughs> Wake him up a little bit. <laughs> All right. You know, somebody said that's a Dodge. Who's, who told me that's a Dodge? That's right. The man knows his fobs. And so it's a Dodge. And uh, so th- glad we found it. Did you know you lost it? Well, praise the Lord. Uh, they found it, and Spanish church found it downstairs before. So praise the Lord. All right, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter number 5, and we are looking at verse number 10. We'll, make our, we'll read, and then we'll make our prayer to the Lord. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them, and what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for their owners thereof, their hurt. But the riches perish by evil travail, and begeth a son, and there is nothing at hand. Let's pray. And we'll make and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, we're thankful we can be here tonight. Now bless this portion of Scripture as we're going through it. May the Spirit of God work and move in our hearts and help us to understand the truths. Lord, you gave Solomon wisdom. You put him on this course to study, to search, and, and uh, there's wisdom in here for us. Help us to listen to what the wisest man who ever lived has to say. Spirit of God, speak to our hearts this evening and understand these things. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In this chapter, Solomon is asking you to do three things. In verses 1 through 7, he's telling you not to rob the Lord. And again, it's not a financial robbing, but talking about vows that a person may make. And we need to be careful of the vows that we make. Now, you may make a rash vow. You may promise God something that you... He's never intended for you to keep or to do. And it would be silly for you to try to hold out to that. To give you an illustration, something I've, 
I never really told anybody this story, so you're getting a fresh new story tonight, so you don't have to roll your head or fall asleep. It's not an old rehashed story. All right? People are like, I get tired of telling old stories. People start moving their mouth with my stories, and it throws me off. So uh, when I was a boy, probably 12 years old, we were in church, and we had a missionary in church. And he was all excited about, he was, going, he was in Korea, been to Korea, and he was back here. And he's telling us all about the Korean work and how we need to, you know, tell God whatever we want to do with our lives, surrender our lives to God, surrender our lives to God. And I went home that night and I said, Lord, you know, I'll do whatever you want. Lord, I'll be a missionary to Africa. That's the vow I made as a 12-year-old boy. I said, I'm going to be a missionary to Africa. Well, about two weeks later, I said, now, Lord, about that Africa thing, um, I'll do whatever you want, but I don't know about me going to Africa. Now listen, God does not want me in Africa. I've been to Africa and I wrote a first number one bestseller that you ought to read about that trip to Africa. But you know, that was a rash vow of a 12-year-old boy that, you know, I just, so in the heat of the moment, I made a vow. But again, God did not want me to be a missionary in Africa. Now we support, our church does a lot of work in Africa and supports a lot of men and their families in Africa. But again, uh, it's not God's will for me to go to Africa. So it would be silly for me to say, I'm going to Africa even though God doesn't want me to go there because, because I made a vow. Your vow ought to be in the will of God. And what he's saying in these verses also is that you're going to say you're going to do something and you have all the wherewithal and all the ability to do something and yet you never do it. So he's warning about your vows and basically not to, to rob the Lord. In verses 8 through 9, he's talking about how we can rob others. And, and rob others. And be careful uh, of, of robbing others. And what he's talking about tonight, he, in verses 10 through 20, and we will go through these very quickly, is the idea of don't rob yourself. Don't rob yourself. You know, you can rob from yourself. And you say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I want us to pay attention. There's some things you need to understand. And he's talking about finances here and money. Now, every single body in this room, most of us say, you know what, I'd be, I would like a little bit more than what I have already. If I had a few more bucks in my bank account, I could be a little more comfortable. I wouldn't be stressed out as much. But Solomon, not only was the wisest man who ever lived, but probably one of the richest men at this point in time in history, has some things to say about it. And he's not saying it because he's rich and doesn't want you to have any riches, but he's letting you know that there's issues with having money and what money does to you and what money does to other people. Now, Solomon, in, in, in chapter number 2, in verses 1 through 11, he, he talks about the futility of wealth. And, and, and again, wealth can be, money is a tool. Remember this, money is a tool. And, 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 and it, it accomplishes a purpose and a task. In life, you know, as a plumber, people say, how'd you do that? I said, well, you have the right tools. I've gone to homes, people say, I've tried to change that faucet. I can't change that faucet. I can't get the wrench underneath there. I said, that's because you need a special wrench. It's called a basin wrench. And if you're going to change a faucet, you need a basin wrench, or else you really, really struggle. You have the right tools. That faucet will come off in five minutes and, and pop the new one on most times. Most times. Sometimes they require a sawzall when they really aggravate you, and, you want, and you're just not going to take any more prisoners and just say that we're done playing games and you're going to cooperate and you and you hack that bad boy off. But other than that, we have to have the right, and money is a tool that helps you accomplish things in life. That's all it is. It's going to help me to buy this in my life, so it's going to help this area. It's going to help me to keep a roof over my head. It's going to help me to, to keep food in my refrigerator. It's just simply a tool. 
And if a man has tools, he can accomplish uh, much. But no matter what you have, at the end of the day, you always work with the tools that you have. This is what we have. This is what we're going to do. Now, what he did in this section was demolish several myths that people hold about wealth. Because they hold these illusions that they rob themselves of the blessings God has for them. Now, in verse number 10, he says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Again, some people treat money as though it were a god. They love it, and they'll sacrifice for it, and they think that that money can do anything. And really, it, it, it cannot. And he's making the case that he, that if you love silver, you're not going to be satisfied with silver, because what do you want? You're going to want gold. And in Solomon's day, his entire temple and the entire kingdom was in abundance with gold, that silver was considered nothing in those days. <laughs> I'd take some of that nothing every now and then, amen? But silver was considered nothing, the Bible says, because there was so much abundance of that gold. And, and, and their minds were filled with thoughts about their lives are controlled by, by getting it, and, 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 and I need more money, and, and, and having more money. And we think if we just had more money, we'd have more security. But really, just the opposite is true with money. Money does not provide security, as we'll see in a minute. What faith in the Lord does for Christians, money does for the, leave, for the unbelievers. How often we hear people say, well, money may not be the number one thing in life, but it's way of, ahead of what's number two in our lives. The person who loves money cannot be satisfied no matter how much money is in the bank account. If you have $10, what do you want? You want Ten more dollars. If you had a hundred dollars in your bank account, you'd want a hundred more dollars. If you were a millionaire, you know what you want? You want to be. You want to have two million dollars. It doesn't satisfy. Now I'm not saying. Listen, I've never been a rich man, and and but God has taken care of us, and we've always um, God has always met the needs. We've, we've struggled from time to time, but uh, we've never had to worry. <laughs> about our wealth. We never had any. <laughs> it wasn't just, you know, is the bank account safe? You know, I, I, we had a man break into our house years ago. And uh, I woke up and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for money. So I, so I helped him look. And, uh, we spent, we, we, and so we went through the entire house trying to find something. And sadly, he had to leave to press because there was no, we didn't have any. Now, he says, is that serious preacher? Yes, it really happened now. Understand something. The person, again, we, we will not be satisfied. The Bible warns us. Look at what Jesus says in Luke's gospel, chapter number 12. Luke's gospel, chapter number 12. Now, if Jesus, we say, well, that's Solomon. He was a rich man. and what's, you know, He's just saying that to keep us all poor. Well, no. But that may be your mindset. So let's look at what Jesus is warning us. Let's look at what the Master has to say about this topic. He says in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. 
I worked in a man's house years ago. It was a beautiful home. They have since torn it down because they sold it and the people who bought it couldn't keep up with the mortgage and it rotted. But he had a, he had a beautiful home. And, and in his basement he had a pool room and he had a hot tub and he had a stereo room. He, I mean, it was just a, one of these elaborate, you know, just like, wow, look at all the stuff this guy has. And he had a sign hanging above his pool table that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Well, my friend, it's a funny statement. It's a cute saying. But understand, really, I felt like writing on that. He who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> You're not taking anything with you. And, and so all that beautiful house, the beautiful brickwork, everything. Was a, I mean, the floor was like brick. It was an absolutely beautiful home. And had a built-in swimming pool in the backyard, a heated built-in swimming pool. So if you want to go swimming in, you know, March, you can dive into your heated swimming pool. The man had all the bells and whistles in his home. But eventually, again, they sold it, they moved away, and the new owners couldn't keep up with the mortgage, and they, had a, they got kicked out, and the house sat there and literally rotted, just literally rotted, and they eventually just tore it all down. So again, there's the idea that you, know, you have these things, but at the end of the day, and, and he got so sick, by the way, they thought he was, he was going crippled, and uh, turns out he had a tumor in his spine, that was choking off his, his spinal cord. And by the grace of God and a miracle, they were able to go in there and cut that tumor out and relieve the pressure off his spinal cord. And so he was able to get all his feelings and all his everything going with his legs again. He was able to walk and do all those things. That's the reason he had the hot tub in the basement was to help alleviate the back pain he was going through. But it was a tumor in his spine. But at the end of the day, they were nice people. They were good to us. And at the end of the day, they, he eventually does die. You know, everybody dies. And, and Jesus is saying, you don't think your life consists just of what you own and the material possessions. And again, every material possession is a tool, something that you have for a to serve a purpose. To have something and store it away and never use it is kind of a waste of having anything. You know, we, we go through our closets every now and then. Are you wearing this? Are you doing anything with it? No, well, get rid of it. It's just taking up space. We're not doing anything with it. It's got to go. But we may have this mentality that our life is about, you know, uh, I've got to have more than the next guy. And it's not. We were in a, when we bought the church van, I saw a used Mercedes Benz. I walked over to it, looked at it, and I couldn't believe the price tag on this Mercedes like SUV truck. Used, it was going for $154,000. Brand new, it's $174,000. I looked over to the salesman and I said, I'll, I'll take two of them. One for me, one for my wife. You know, we'll, we'll, listen, can you imagine parking that thing at shop right away? <laughs> you might as well pray to Jesus the entire time you're in shop right that it's going to be there when you come out. It'll be on 21 drag racing before you can hit, before you can hit, hit the donut aisle. Understand something. Your life does not consist in the things that you own. In fact, it, as it, an increase in wealth usually creates new problems that we never knew even existed before. And Solomon mentioned one, that basically, you know, relatives and friends uh, start to show up. And he, he lets us know these things. Look at verse 11. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. <laughs> and what good is there to the owners thereof? saving, beholding them with their eyes. Again, if you have money, you're going to find relatives 
you never knew existed. Maybe I shouldn't say this over the air. My dad did not have money, but my dad worked very hard. He worked very hard. My dad worked 60 hours a week in the factory down in Harrison, and he bought his own house, and he took care of us, and, 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 and his brother sometimes often struggled. And my dad would often buy groceries for them, and every now and then when I got older, my cousins would come down to visit. I'm like, I'd walk in the kitchen and see my two cousins sitting there at the kitchen table. I was like, oh, here we go. They weren't coming to say, hey, Uncle Chet, how you doing? They were coming to say, hey, Uncle Chet, you got a few bucks. So they talked to my dad for about an hour. My dad was a soft touch to everybody except us. <laughs> That's funny how it worked. He was nice to everybody except us. And so at the end of the day, my cousins would walk out of there with, a, with I don't know how much money my dad would end up giving them because they thought he had money, and he didn't. You know, he just was living paycheck to paycheck, trying to take care of six kids and, 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 and take care of a mortgage and maintain his property. But when you have something and you have a little more than the next guy, as Psalm is letting us know in verse 11, people are going to show up to try to eat of that which you have because they think you got something. And I've worn this joke out a hundred times, but you know, where there's a will, there's a relative. And people will come after you. They will want what you have. Oh, you bought a car. Well, it must be nice. Can you rejoice and be happy that I bought a car? Oh, you bought a house. Must be nice. And they're mad almost that you have something. And next thing you know, they're putting the glom on it. That's an old expression we used to use. I don't know if anybody still uses that expression. But they put, they're trying to you know, get in on what you have. And I realize that maybe you worked very hard to obtain that. John Wesley, the famous preacher said, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And Wesley himself could have been a very wealthy man, but he chose to live simply and he gave very generously. And that's how God expects us to live. You know, what did Jesus say about money? It's more blessed to what? Give than to receive. And we'd learned that lesson in life. Instead, we're always looking for somebody to give to us and say, you know, what can I do for you and, and, and be a blessing and a help to somebody? And, of course, with that, there's always being careful to, 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 of those who are simply the moochers in life and those who never do anything in life. He says in verse number 12, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Rich people have to worry about maintaining their money. And they have all kinds of security systems in play to make sure that their money is not going to be stolen from them. I forget the statistics last year, but how many people, 54 million people, were victims of identity theft? Somebody stealing your identity and going into your bank account and stealing your money. It happened to the church once. The bank called me and said, uh, can we speak to Pastor Matt Swikaska? This is me. Pastor, we have something here. We, uh, this is before the online banking really kicked into place. They said, the, the, we have a, something here It's very strange. We want to make sure it was you. What? Did you make a donation to the Muslim Society of London for $1,000? Yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't make that. I, I, I don't donate to that group. But somewhere along the line, somebody got our information and stole $1,000 from the church. Now, the church... The bank backs that up, and we got our money, and there's no big deal. But the bank does pursue them people, and somewhere in London is a, some Muslim company with $1,000 of our money at the time trying to steal our money. 
And it's sad, it is, but the more you have, the more securities you have. You know those LifeLock commercials, you know, your security? Well, years ago when that guy started that commercial, he was so sure of his product, he put his social security number out there. He's riding all over town with his social security number. You can't break through LifeLock, you can't break through LifeLock. You know, out there there's always one guy, oh, really? And he broke into his account and stole his money. <laughs> and so he had, he had to rearrange his whole commercials. So after that, I was like, yeah, LifeLock, no. Scratch that one off. And you have security on top of security to protect what you own. That's what Solomon's warning us about here. Most of us, the Christmas tree lighting in, where is it over in New York? In Rockefeller Center. Well, John D. Rockefeller at one point in time was the only billionaire on planet Earth. Today there's lots of billionaires. But back then he was only one of them. And uh, he would make a million dollars a week. But he was a sick man, always suffering from ulcers. He lived on crackers and milk, and he couldn't sleep because of worry. But when he started to give his money away and, 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 and help people, his health changed radically, and he, and he ended up living to, be, uh, to his 98th birthday. When we apply biblical principles, we'll, we'll be a whole lot happier. Now, again, it's a good thing to have money and things that money can buy and provide, but you don't lose the things that money cannot buy. Now, he says in verse number 13, he says, There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for their owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail. And he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and nothing of his labor which he may carry away into his hand. This also is a sore evil, that in all points he came shall he go. And what profit hath he that hath labor for the wind? What he's talking about here is a picture of, of one man who takes all his money and hoards all his wealth and, and, and puts it away. And the other man makes sound investments. And by the way, it's not bad to make sound investments in things. We live in this world and, 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 and sometimes, you know, we, I want nothing to listen Jesus talked about this and how the children of this world sometimes are wiser than the, the children of God because of what they do and how they invest. Nothing wrong with investing in, in some things every now and then. We want to do right. Understanding that when we have something, it's there to be a blessing and encouragement because we are not taking anything with us. Do you remember me telling the story about the man who who told his wife, when I die, bury this painting. I want this casket put in my, this painting put in my casket. And, uh, and so he died, and, and uh, the undertaker was trying to fit the, the painting with the frame in the casket. And he finally told his wife, he said, listen, I, no matter how I tried to, this frame's too big, it will not fit in the casket. He said, how, can we just take the picture out of the frame, or we'll just put the painting in the casket with your husband? She said, she said that'll be fine. So the undertaker takes cuts the back of the picture off and and behind there there's thousands upon thousands of dollars this 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 buzzard was tucking away in the picture frame needless to say the painting went in the casket but nothing else the man was trying to take it with him can you imagine how much a miserable human being that guy must have been now his wife must have been tap dancing on his grave when he died but again you, you why, why would a man do something like that well, let's let us know that we brought nothing into this world and, and we cannot take anything out of this world. 
I was in West Hudson Hospital today. I was visiting somebody, and I'm, I'm walking around the hallways. I'm thinking, I was born in this hospital. Somewhere in one of these rooms is where I made my grand entrance. Ta-da, here I am. I'm like, I, wonder where, I wonder where exactly that room was. I have no idea. There's no way of finding out, but I was thinking about that. Now, my friend, I came in with nothing in this world, and eventually Matt Swickhouse is going to go out with nothing. And whatever I've accumulated in this world is going to leave behind for somebody else. A friend of mine died. His wife called me up. She said, Pastor Matt, my husband, you know, he passed away. He has all these suits here. And the Lord told me to give them to you. I said, that's nice. Thank you. She goes, what size are you? I said, well, did the Lord tell you to give me the suits? She said, yes. Well, he knows my size. They'll fit. And so I went down there, and I wore those suits for a couple of years till I worn them out. And you say, you wore a dead man's clothes? Well, he wasn't using them. He was buried with one of them. And so I wore them. You know, they, they blessed me for, a, for several years. The only difference was I made them look good. Thank you, Brother Ronald. Amen. Appreciate that. Awfully quiet in here for a minute. I'm really disappointed in you, Brother Dave. You didn't say nothing there. You're just sitting there staring at, the, at me. I'm trying to picture what the suit looked like. <laughs> One of them was like a zoot suit from the 1920s because he was an old man and now I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, Renee remembers those suits. Now, so if my wife didn't have a problem with them, you know they're okay because every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll pick up something in a store and she'll just like, you buying that? When my wife says that, that's the clue to put it back. Amen. <laughs> you wearing that? No, I'm just just checking it out and just putting it. I'm putting this back. I'm also banned from buying her clothes too. I can't buy my wife. I did that once when we first got married, and, and uh, just I just I'm not good at that. Amen. It's, I don't pick out ladies' clothes. She says I'm. I pick out old lady clothes. I don't know what that means, but I right, right, sweetheart. Well, now she's getting older, so she should be catching up to my taste. Amen. <laughs> What's that? What's she say? Not smart. <laughs> well, I've often been accused that I've had a lot of teachers growing up said that to me all my life. Are you stupid, Swikowski? Right now, in the in in the New Testament, we see the parable of the rich man, and how his farm produced, and how he said, "You know, I have so much food, I need to tear down my barns and build bigger barns, and and and, and take up thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry." Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that man working. There's nothing wrong with him with the, even building bigger barns. What the problem was with that man is, he, in all his equations, he left God out of it all. And God was never part of that man's life. So at the end of it, God says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. You're going to die. And then who gets all your possessions? Because somebody will end up with your possessions at the end of the day. Everything that you kept under one roof will be taken and scattered by everybody across the, 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 the globe. Somebody's going to get it. The rich man thought all his problems were solved because he was rich, but immediately he faced, the, the, again, this, this idea that he's going to die. And keep in mind that Solomon is he's not advocating poverty, but he's warning us about riches. Look, if you will, at Proverbs 
chapter number 30. I, 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 I told the Lord to do this for me years ago as a young man. And it's a good thing to ask God to do it for you as well. In Proverbs chapter number 30, Solomon makes this statement here. And we'd all be wise to listen to what he says in Proverbs 30 in verse number 7. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. What you want to ask God is, God, just give me what I need. Just give me what I need to take care of me. Because people with riches, I don't need God. I got money. And by the way, you know, you can think that all you want, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure Steve Jobs, when he got his pancreatic cancer, I believe it was, found out that his money wasn't fixing that problem. And I don't know if he ever came to faith in Christ or not, but he had money. And all the doctors in this world, with all their wisdom, could not fix him. And then if we're poor, we may end up stealing. And the government will do that for you. It's called the lottery system, which is the, the most wicked thing a, a government can do to a poor people is the lottery system. It's really theft of poor people. That's what the lottery system is. It's the government stealing from poor people. Because the Rockefellers and the Donald Trumps and the, and the Bill Gates and the Jeff Bezos are not in line at Quick Check standing at the green machine. It's poor people that you're getting their money from. It's the people with nothing hoping that they're just a dollar and a dream. And it's just theft is all it is. And the government's getting rich on it. I'm old enough to remember when they inst instituted the lottery system. With the money the state's going to make, we're going to build schools and fix our roads. Anybody been in this state? This is, hello. You know, in England, they drive on the left side of the road. In New Jersey, we drive on what's left of the road. And, and that's, how we, that's how we operate around here. And, and I haven't seen any schools being built like they keep promising us. It's, a, it's theft. And Psalm is letting you know that money, it can be a dangerous thing to us. Now, again, there's three ways that you can get wealth. You can work for it, you can steal it, or you can receive it as a gift, an inheritance. And by the way, usually those who inherit it usually end up broke after a few years anyway. People who end up suing everybody usually end up broke after a few years because they don't know how to handle it. Money is something you need to know how to handle money. You ever get money, you need to find somebody who knows how to handle money and get wisdom from them. How do I, what do I do with this? You know, how do I protect this and how do I handle this and spend it wisely? Solomon saw the blessings of life as, as God's gift to those who work and who, who accept the work as God's, uh, uh, as a favor to God. In verse number 19, he says, every man... Also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take portions to rejoice in his labor. This is a gift of God. Listen, there are rich people on this world and God has blessed them. God has made them rich. And Solomon added another important thought. The ability to enjoy life's blessings is a gift from God. 
Listen, if you go home to your apartment tonight like I will, I'm gonna, I, my plan tonight is to go home and change and sit in my recliner and snack on something and, 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 and slowly unwind and, 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 and start to melt and, and then climb into my bed and pray my leg don't hurt me as I sleep during the night. Amen. That's my, that's my goal for the night. After this is all said and done, think about what God has done today and rejoice in the blessings. But I going to go home in our simple apartment and just unwind and relax with what little snacks we may have in the house. I'm really regretting not buying the ice cream yesterday when I was in food town. I really am because that could that would be nice tonight, but here we are. Now, but what I have has been given to me by Almighty God and enjoy what God has given to us. Now, Solomon will expand on this thought in the next chapter and he's going to point out the unhappiness of people who possess wealth but are are not able to enjoy it. I think of those, again, we may think of those who have all the money, but some people just can't enjoy it. There was a rich man years ago, maybe you don't remember him, his name was Howard Hughes. And Howard Hughes, again, was one of the richest men in the world. He was a playboy. Every woman in Hollywood wanted him, and every woman in the world wanted him. He was just a, and he could, nothing was denied of Howard Hughes. But when they, he eventually died like, a, like some psychotic maniac. His hair had grown long. His fingernails were long. He had broken uh, intravenous needles in his veins from all the drugs he was pumping into himself. And he was out of his mind, with, and, and, and yet still a multi billionaire man built airplanes and made movies did everything in life yet he died some some just look him up as some some crazed lunatic i remember when they came out howard Hughes found dead and they, they showed pictures of what this this once good-looking young man looked like he's like look at this guy he looks like some psycho homeless guy you'd find in new york city somewhere money didn't make him happy he had all there was and yet he did, had nothing so again believers are encouraged and in chapter 6, Solomon will conclude this discussion, again, the futility of wealth. Jesus told us something that we're going to be seeking after. Men, men seek after wealth, but Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. We put God first. God just may bless your pocketbook, and God may give you those things. And that you can use it to be a blessing to the work of God. Now, I don't know if this story is 100% true or not. I've tried to research it out, I've, I've, but I could never get the actual story on it. But I was told years ago, I remember reading this. And so I, I, I preface it with just that, again, I, I hope it's true, but I haven't been able to really verify it. But there was a young man who wanted to go to the mission field. And he studied and he labored and and, and finally, when it came time for him to really go to the mission field, his, his health failed him. And he, and he was unable to go and, uh, and do what he thought God wanted him to do. So he decided, you know what, I, I can't go. My health will not allow me. I, I'll never survive. Let me just, I'll stay here at home and I'll work in our, full, our, in our small family business and do what we can. And his company made grape juice. And the grape juice was purposely for the purpose of giving it to, selling it for churches for the Lord's Supper's work. And he, and, and he gave his life to the, to the family work, and, and he began to give a lot of the money he was, the, the grape juice company was making to the cause of Christ. And God blessed his business. Again, I'm told that that company was the company known as the Welch Grape Juice Company. We've all heard of it. 
Now again, you can verify that with me, help me out, but when we learn to give to God and put God first and, and, and put God's kingdom first, when we're looking in this direction, God just may come around back and just start putting it in your back pocket. And you keep giving it out and God keeps giving it here. And, God, and maybe you don't become rich, but you find out that, you know, the kids don't get sick and the landlord's not after you and, and you're not in depression all the time and, and, and God's just taking care of you. Some things you just can't buy. And peace of mind is one thing that money cannot buy. And Solomon's trying to teach us this, this idea of money and don't be caught up with it. The world's caught up with it and yet they're miserable. Let's pray. Father, bless this time, bless this hour. Now we love you and we thank you.